The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Journey, stories of crisis and hope. Your host is Jessica Pirro. In today's program, we will provide awareness and education on various types of crises, the impact they have on one's well-being, and provide help to empower hope for you or someone you love. This program will help you understand various types of crisis situations by hearing from experts in the crisis response field, as well as those with lived experience through a difficult time. Now, here's Jessica Pirro. Welcome to The Journey, Stories of Crisis and Hope. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Over the last few weeks, I've been uh, sharing with you guests who have really talked about their own personal stories that um, have driven their desire to help others. And I have yet another guest like that today with me. Um, Through these conversations, we have shown that our own confidence is a driver in our personal and emotional success. And when your life is impacted by challenges or trauma, it may derail that path. But the reality is, is that we have the power within us. So today I have author Rachel Morrison, who will share her path of helping others that have helped herself. She will share the impact of her personal journey and being a visionary of her own life. With her own personal experiences, including the loss of a loved one to homicide, she has determined her own power inventory to continue living while honoring her loved one. Today, we'll talk about the path of courage and acceptance to establish a vision for your life. So before I uh, have Rachelle join us, I just want to tell you a little bit about Rachelle. Um, In addition to her being one of my awesome leadership team members here at Crisis Services in Buffalo, New York, uh, Rachelle is a native of Buffalo and she earned her bachelor's degree from SUNY at University of Buffalo and she also got her master's degree in mental health counseling from Madai College. She has over 20 years of working to serve many populations, especially those at risk, including youth, displaced individuals and families, those impacted by trauma and mental health. Rachelle has been with Crisis Services here in Buffalo, New York for over 12 years and is currently the program director of our Crisis Counseling Program, which manages the 24-hour hotline services for not only our local county community, but many of the communities surrounding our area. Rachelle also has experience as a life coach and a therapist and is the owner and CEO of a company called The Power in We, which we'll talk about during the show. And the mission, the mission is to empower and motivate personal growth and change. Rachelle also sits on the advisory board of Peace Incorporated and is an advocate for support for enhancing youth programs and support groups for family members who are victims of homicide. Author uh, Rachelle is also an author, and she just pr- uh, published her first book this past year called Bare Naked Trees and is currently working on the sequel, Bare Naked Trees Next Season, and is also working on her first novel titled Fine as Wine Eyes. So I want to welcome Rachelle to the show. So thank you so much for joining me today for the show, Rachelle. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. 
Awesome. So why don't we start to um, talk, let our listeners know a little bit about uh, your path that has led you to this type of work. Okay. Um, I like to believe that I was just destined to do this kind of work. My mom used to say that, you know, you're going to be a teacher because I always had the answers and I always had that um, vibe in me to kind of teach people. Um, growing up, I was always the person where people would come to to say, you know, what should I do about this? Where should I go? I was always the one to have the answers, rather the, the, what they wanted to hear or maybe <laughs> not. But they would still come to me because it was the truth. I believe that you just have to be honest. And that's the only way to go. So my grandparents were also very influential in helping me um, with learning this path. So as as you mentioned, um, I completed my studies at the University of Buffalo. After working with the risk um, at risk youth population as a residential aide, mm-hmm. where um, after working with them for a while and finding I had a really good rapport with them, kind of changed my path a little bit, and my curriculum changed to human studies, human services from uh, education, mm-hmm. and uh, then leaving Buffalo for a while. Mm-hmm coming back, leaving Buffalo for a while and working with the mental health population kind of had a touch component of of homelessness. And so when I came back to Buffalo, Mm -hmm. I was looking for a job and Mm -hmm. there was crisis services with a position in their homeless outreach department. And I've kind of been here ever since. (laughs) Um, We've kept you here. (laughs) (laughs) While working on my master's degree as Jessica mentioned. So that's kind of the path that kind of led me here a little bit. and it's why I kind of stay here. I just really love helping people. Awesome. So can you talk a little bit? I think it's important as we share our stories and to individuals who are in this field, um, we, we bring something to the work that we do, right? So, um, and a lot of times that's influences by other people. So could you share with the listeners who are your biggest influences that may have helped you along the way to get to this point? Um, well, of course, my mom. My mom has been my biggest cheerleader. She's always supported any decisions that I've tried to make and just always been encouraging and making sure that me and my siblings stayed in education. So she was one of my biggest um, influences. And then one of my grandmothers, who was a victim of abuse, who always said, you know, I suffered through that, so you didn't have to. Mm-hmm. So make sure mm-hmm. that you, you know, take care of yourself and you move forward. My other grandmother was a Native American. She was kind of the comedian of the family, but she also believed in um, you have the responsibility to live your path, what you're, what you're chosen to do and what you do very well. You have to do that. So she was a big inspirational person for me and really encouraging me to have my voice and never to stop, never to quit, continue to thrive in what you want to do. Um, and then the late great Maya Angelou yes. also is a, a big, big inf- influential person in my life. She was an author like me. She was um, a writer. She was someone who um, taught and learned continuously through her life and with so much grace and class. I always wanted to be like her. Um, so those are my biggest influences growing up. Wonderful. And I, I do feel that, you know, when we look at our lives, the the people that surround us and who we surround ourselves with, I think, yes. is an important message um, because that really either will support you in success or maybe keep you from achieving, too, depending on what type of person or what type of family is surrounding you. And But for some people, it's challenging to find those right people. Yes. And they may not be your family, right? I they mean, may they, not. they may not be. And you have to be open to that and, and be willing to um, know that those relationships can be beyond your blood, if you will, um, yes. in the community. So now you definitely have a, a variety of types of experiences in your background. But what are some common themes in all the work that you've seen? Um, 
you know, you've, you've mentioned and I shared in, in your bio that you've, you've worked with youth, uh, displaced individuals and family with homelessness, trauma, mental health. Um, so what are some common themes you're seeing as you've had those different experiences um, in working with uh, those different uh, areas? Well, what I've kind of seen is that, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I've been able to master having rapport and meeting people where they are at. So no matter what population I worked with, whatever the, the situation came, it was trying to meet that person where they at, what they need, instead of what I think they need. Mm-hmm. And then um, looking at them in the face and seeing them for what they are, and then bringing them circumstances. And everybody wants to be validated. Everybody Absolutely. wants their voice to be heard. So I kind of feel like in, in the helping population, you have to be able to look someone in the eye, forget about why they're sitting in front of you and just get to know them, know their name, look them in the face and just kind of hear about how can I help you. So I think the common thread with that is just being and understanding what you're there for. You know, you're help, you're here to help. You're not. Who are you here to help? Are you here to help the person or help yourself? Mm-hmm. And I think I've really taken that seriously and I've been able to do that. So I've been able to establish really good rapport with people and they've come to me for, for assistance and I'm really proud of that. That's wonderful. And and knowing your purpose and, and what you want your purpose to be is, is really a message that will be kind of coming out of all of our conversations today. So, um in the work that you have done, what are some challenges you have seen, especially when working with at-risk groups um, like youth, for example? What are some of those challenges in the work and trying to help, um, you know, youth, for example, who are at risk? I think one of the biggest challenges is getting their attention long enough to trust you. Getting their attention, you know, today everything is so fast paced, but being able to get their attention long enough so that they can trust you, so that they will open up and you will be able to help them. That's to me one of the biggest challenges. You know, so many people out here are, you know, kind of fake. They want to help you for their own purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the youth, especially those ones who have been through trauma and all, you know, a different, a difficult life, they really just need somebody to sit there and if they can say, will you still be here next week? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Will you still be here the following week? You're telling Telling me this now, um, but that's one of the biggest challenges: is getting the youth to trust you right. and getting their attention long enough to say, "Okay, I will be here next week. Just give me a chance." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that's so important because for a lot of individuals and youth, for example, who maybe um, you know are in the foster care system or other types of systems, that ability to trust and feel like that person's going to continue to be there yep. is really sometimes unknown to them because they are going from home to home or from, you know, the family members are in and out. And so it's hard for them to trust that um, you're going to be real with them and that you're going to be actually caring for them. So I think that's such an important message because we've seen that um, when we're dealing with just cases of trauma and talking mm-hmm. about, you know, over the last couple of shows, trauma-informed care has come up a lot um, about really just being present, as you mentioned, with the person, um, but really that trust that you're going to follow through and you're going to show yeah. up. And I know that's something we've talked about, yes. too, is that message of showing up every day. You're yep. here, you're showing up, you're present. Um, is so important, especially, I think, for children and youth because they depend on adults. They depend on us to be that support, that safety. And um, I think that's just a really important message to to reiterate that you said because um, I know in talking with uh, a guest I had on a few weeks back, we did talk about... um, you know, just always being there for, for kids, Um, you know, regardless of what's going on to always be there so that they can trust that and depend on that support from you. So that's really a powerful, I think 
message to get across and remember, um, especially for kids who are who yes. are dealing with different challenges. So, um, so what are some barriers for help for at-risk groups? Um, you know, what what are some things that you're seeing in your work, or even what you maybe were hearing even on our hotline here at Crisis Services? Are the barriers for people to get help? I think, you know, um, it's hard to talk about, but it, it is a big um, part of a lot of communities in our country, and that is poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, to me, one of the biggest barriers is poverty. Um, having those at-risk populations, um, having an outlet for them to be able to, to get outside of their neighborhood, to get outside of their circumstances, is really hard. Mm-hmm. There's, as you know, with the homeless population um, here in Buffalo's transportation, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things that are set up to help the homeless or people at risk, but there's no no really big outlet for transportation. So poverty, in my opinion, is a big challenge. Um, for the youth, access to more structured curricular activities. You know, when, when I was growing up and probably when you were growing up, you know, there were a lot of different organizations that came um, in the communities, helped um, those inner youth you know, with, I learned how to ski, I learned how to do all those sorts of things by other organizations and community, uh, people in the community who came to offer us something extra. Nowadays, I don't see that as much. Yeah. So yeah. I see that that is a big barrier as well. Um, limited access to standard technology and education. You know, mm-hmm. it was really shocking to me maybe about six years ago when I was working with um, intensive um, therapy with families that you know, part of the program was for them to get a computer for their home. And I was shocked at that. Like every home should have a computer. The right. way technology is, it is essential to our life, uh, to our lives. But that's just a challenge and it's, it's the reality. Um, and then the presence, you mentioned homicide. And of course, we'll talk about that a little bit later mm-hmm. of, um, of what that does. But the presence of crime and trauma in our communities and our environments, mm-hmm. you know, we really need to pay attention more to the effects, the ripple effects, the ramifications of trauma on these on these populations. They're not so easy to to get by. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, I think is a lack of support for the victims of trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you talked about trauma informed care. And then actually, what does that mean? Right. How do we you know, it's, it's a great term and we really want to strive for it. But how do we get that support to those who need it? And how are we um, bringing that message across mm-hmm. that trauma informed care is something that we need to be in, needs to be in the forefront when working with these at risk populations. They need to know that we um, understand understand what they went through mm-hmm. and not who who is saying that they are their circumstances and who they are so those are some challenges that you know i think as a community we need to start to look at a little bit more closely so that we can change this for the next generation absolutely absolutely um we have a couple minutes before we we head into break so i just wanted to see if you could speak um specifically to the African-American population. And obviously people can't see you, but you are mm-hmm. African-American, but you're also Native American, as you've mentioned, um, with your grandma's uh, background. And there might be other, I think we all have a little bit of, of different else. things in <laughs> us these days, right? So I'm just curious what your view is or opinion is about some of the challenges for cu- different cultures and accessing services. 
I think some of the challenges, again, is with the communication and the access to, um, for instance, technology. There's a lot of programs out here, for instance, we put on our website, but some of these communities, um, like the Native American community, a lot of them don't have the access to that to go on and see where these programs may be able to help them. Um, some you know, kids who have experienced trauma, they're thinking today they can barely get up and go eat. They're right. thinking to come, I need some help and I want to go online and I want to try to find some help. So I just think those are some of the barriers facing our African-American um, and Native American cultures. But I think that it's hopeful. I think that we can, as we talk about these things, that we can reach out to those communities more and say, you know, here's a program. Will this help you? How can this help you? If not, help us help you and just start to go out into the communities more right, right. to to meet those challenges face to face instead of talking about them. Yeah. And you mentioned early on in the show and some of the work you, that you do, being going to where the clients at and being where they're at and, and going into the community is something yes. that's only going to help change um, these barriers and really kind of bring down these barriers is when we, we a lot of times put a lot of responsibility on the person that's already struggling. Yes. And so when we do that, um, are we just continuing to add more barriers instead of us internally looking at, okay, what do we need to do as a society or as an agency or a provider um, to really help meet clients, meet the community where they're at so that we can better help them um, really and and provide access. And I think access is a big part of this conversation too, for sure. Um, So we have a lot that we're going to be getting into today with you. And I um, have so many uh, wonderful conversations to to talk about throughout the show. So um, we're heading into break right now, but please stay tuned. You're listening to The Journey, Stories of Crisis and Hope. Step-by-step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now, your baby is in your arms, and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuzo to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandrabali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. And Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the C. diff Foundation. Together with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune in to Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. You are listening to The Journey, stories of crisis and hope 
We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments about the show. Please send an email to jpirrovoiceamerica at gmail.com. That's J-P-I-R-R-O, voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the journey. Here again is Jessica Pirro. Welcome back to The Journey, Stories of Crisis and Hope. My guest today is Rachel Morrison, and we've had a a beginning discussion in our first segment about just her experience and her work. Um, And I think what's important as we kind of begin our next conversation is the impact that work has on on individuals to kind of look at their own lives and their own story and their own experiences and what that, uh, what changes might need to be made or what impacts they would like to do um, in the work that they do. So, um, we're going to shift gears and talk specifically about Rachelle, and she actually, um, you know, can, started a business that's called the Power in We. So, Rachelle, can you share with our listeners what does this business do? Uh, the Power in We is a life coaching consulting business. It's aimed at motivating and inspiring and empowerment approach um, to change or to try to help remain focused towards your life purpose. Um, I kind of started this company at a time in my life where I was also working through accepting myself and finding my life's pers- purpose while, you know, also de- dealing with some of the traumas that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, so this company, uh, this business aims to be that hope for people, to be that kind of a, a, a different avenue that you can take and always have a space for you to come to and talk yeah. about those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what does the title mean? The title of The Power in We, it came about because I was actually, like I said, trying to um, install that power within myself. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it was originally The Power in Me, and it was self-motivating for me to just to just get to that point in my life and say, you know what, you do have the power in you to change and forgive yourself and to move forward from some of your mistakes and start to live in your purpose. Mm-hmm. But then as I started saying it before I went to actually make it a business, it didn't capture exactly what I meant because it wasn't just about the power in me. I felt it was the power in we. I wanted to reach mm-hmm. out to all of us. I wanted to reach out so that everyone, no one would feel separated. No one would feel like they didn't have the power in themselves to to, mo- to be mo- motivated and to move and to work on their life's purpose. At the same time, we're working on change. So that's kind of the backstory to the power mm-hmm. in we. Um, and I think it, it, it is a very um, self um self-motivating title that Mm -hmm. I think really, if you say it, you can really say, you know what, I do have the power in me flipped. The power in we can even be more stronger, can be more forceful in the world to make change. Right. And I think what's a neat message about that is that it's also, you know, like you said, it's finding the power within yourself, but knowing too that it's not weak to to turn to others to help you be successful and for others to support you in your work. And so I think that that's a great message that a lot of times we feel like we have to hold everything on our own shoulders and yeah. and sometimes that's the challenge of moving forward in your lives so that that title really is a very powerful title i think um because it really does encourage not only your internal drive but also to share that and embrace that with those that are around you so yes. um you. so what what are some of the challenges of being a life a life coach the challenges of being a life coach is to get people in a very short period of time to understand what took me probably 
five years to get mm-hmm. to. And that is in change, you need to create the time and the space for the change to happen. And when people come to you, you're like, no, I need change right now. Right, well, right. it's going to take you a little time. So getting people to commit to the time and the space that it takes to have that productive change. To me, that's the biggest thing with being a life coach because everything else, people come in and their ideas are so awesome on how they can make the changes in their life. But then when I start to say, okay, we need to compartmentalize what Mm -hmm. this actually means when you quit your job or when you move to another country, you know, if that's what you want to do and then bring everybody else along with you um, in your social circle. So that's the biggest thing I I think with um, trying to get people to work on themselves and their change by facing a lot of this, this other stuff. It's kind of tough sometimes. Yeah. Well, and I would think too, the time that it really does take to make change is probably a lot longer than people want. (laughs) Right. So they're probably, coming in saying, okay, I want to change this and I want this done within the next couple of weeks. But really, if you're going to dive into an issue or a challenge that you've had, um, that takes time in and of itself to understand why you're in this space to begin with and what changes might need to happen. Um, And so I would think that that sometimes can be hard and a bit of a challenge because people are probably wanting things to move along much quicker than in reality that it should, first of all, and can because um, it takes time, right? It takes time. It takes time. But what I think is neat about the conversation, though, is that um, it forces you to look at yourself and, and, and in a way be a little selfish about looking at who you are, who you want to be, um, Again, it may take longer than you think it's going to take, but at least you're taking that time for yes. yourself. And I think that I think in our world today, we're so busy and it's it's so fast paced. And so to actually spend the time on yourself that you do on everything else, um, I think it's sacrifice sometimes. For people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I would think that that's something that probably comes up a lot to kind of help coach people to be successful in even doing that. So, so what brought you to do this type of work at this point in your life and career? I mean, in addition to obviously having your business here, the power in we that we're talking about, you're here working every day with me at crisis services in Buffalo, New York, helping to run our 24 hour hotline. You're on call, you're busy. Um, but, you know, you're at this point in your life where you're kind of looking at different things in your career and, and what you want to do. So what what's kind of brought you to this place um, to do this type of work and do life coaching? Um, and we'll talk about your writing in a little bit. But uh, what brought you here at this time? Well, I think what brought me here at this time is um, realizing that I was not a statistic. You know, we did mention I'm African-American. I'm a woman first, but I'm an African-American woman. And realizing that I was not a statistic and understanding my own role and responsibility that I had being an educated African-American woman and a mom and all those those things. Um, it helped me recognize that I had big shoes to fill and that I needed to get started with it. That if I didn't, then I wouldn't be living my life's purpose. I wouldn't be, you know, all of these things that someone like you, who's been a big supporter of me, um, will go for not. You know, you've got a lot of cheerleaders, <laughs> one of them. But, yeah, you have a lot of cheerleaders around you. <laughs> kind of, you know, made me realize it was the time for me to go out and make a difference, you know, mm-hmm. not to just live in, in my own family and help with my own family, but to go out into the community and give back to those who might be looking up to me, whom I say, you know, I want to do that. But they don't have the tools. They don't have the resources. And so I felt here I was with these resources and this education and this big supportive family with me mm-hmm. here. I needed to get out and start to 
to give back to my community. Mm -hmm. And that's what kind of brought me to this place of all these things that I'm doing under the power and we like, where do we find time? But it's important. And I, I know that this is what I have to do. Absolutely. So now you've worked with crisis services now for over 11 years. Um, you see, as we kind of talked about earlier in the show, you did some homeless work. You started out with the agency with our homeless services um, and now are overseeing our hotline services and have always done work around uh, with suicide prevention. Um, but in doing this work, you, you and I have talked about you've realized a connection to helping those who have experienced other types of situations like homicide. So can you share how that connection came to you and what that means to you? Yes. Um, So you and I have talked for a while. And years ago, um, my cousin was... um, a victim of homicide. Mm-hmm. And it was very tough on our on our family, as you can imagine. And years of trying to get my life back after that happened, there were no, you know, not many supports um, there. And trying to get my life back, I derailed um, my path a bit. You know, if you have that person who's your cheerleader, you mm-hmm. know, he was my calm and all of the things. Right. And we had our um, plans on what we were going to do. You know, when I became like, you know, for instance, the fashion designer, we'll talk about that later. But <laughs> When I became a counselor or educator, right. and so when he was taken away, you know, um, it, it was it was just so easy to just move on with life every day, get up, do your thing, and not live your purpose and not you know continue to work on your dreams. Right. So that's kind of what got me to that place. And when I started working at crisis services uh, and learning about suicide prevention, it became apparent to me that suicide and homicide were almost on the same tree mm-hmm. if you will say you know um some people say you know you're doing a little bit too much you're working with suicide trauma homicide you know for me it was uh, it's also something that gave validation to a life that was ended with no answers right. it was like you know what if someone is um homicided in your family and then you have nowhere to turn and you're depressed and you're sad you don't want to go out the house i mean i went through years of that and here i am now on the other side of that folks who are suicidal can turn suicidal because they've went to a traumatic experience like homicide you know Um, a lot of people that I know who have been through homicide um, they're really sad they're depressed and they say those kinds of things that I know now has a word of lethality and ideations and I was thinking if you are um, if you are thinking of hurting yourself at the time when that happened in my family we didn't know that those words existed Mm -hmm. but to me it's a close bridge to the work that I do and it is gratifying that I have learned these things and I can put a, a, a name to it. And then I can also go back into the community and say, if you are a victim or your family's a victim of homicide, you know, are you feeling these type of um, things? Are you eating? You know, where's your support system? And then I can see those clues now if someone is suicidal or someone is having those thoughts and then reach in and get them to help. Right, right. And it was just a piece you said that is, was so powerful was the ending of a life without the answers. And I think when you when you look at it, if it's, if it's homicide or if it is suicide, those are the struggles that the family members are left with is those unanswered questions or just just feeling like they can't figure out what those answers should be so that they can start to heal. Um, so it's an interest. It's definitely an interesting connection that you, you've bridged. And, um, you know, we know from any type of trauma that um, if it, it could lead into depression and if it leads into depression, then you can lead into suicidal thoughts. So these things are so interconnected and we can't look at them 
them in a siloed uh, approach yeah. that this that you're bridging these all together to provide, provide a real comprehensive level of uh, understanding but care um, so that people don't um, become isolated or withdrawn after such trauma. So can we talk a little bit about what you know, it, you've shared that you, you lost your cousin to, to a homicide. What is the aftermath like for individuals and families that experience a homicide? The aftermath, as you can imagine, is just devastating. There's there's separateness from maybe, um, you know, family members. If it's in your neighborhood, you know, the person who who um, committed the crime, maybe maybe a family member, maybe close to your right. um, in your community. So now there's a separateness. You feel alone. You feel um, stuck, you feel burdened, you're scared, you feel lost, hopeless, um, and you feel helpless. You know, when we went through that, I was younger, and there, again, there weren't any supports or anybody to tell you how to feel, Mm -hmm. anybody to say, okay, now is the time that you should get up and you should be doing this. Well, no one says those things because everybody who's around you is dealing with this loss. Right. Everybody's trying to just get get themselves together. So it's, it's, um, it's very devastating, and it's something that you really need some kind of a um, some kind of a encouragement to get your foot out and get back into life. Like right. I said, you know, dreams and everything get derailed yeah. when you're going through something like that. Okay. So, you know, and how do we support children that lose someone to homicide? I mean, there's a lot of kids that are impacted by this throughout our country every day. Um, what are some things we can do to support kids? Well, one of the things I'm working on under the power and we is support programs, grief and loss that are geared with a point of view for the youth. You know, as adults, you know, we have these things set in place for us. But as children specifically dealing with that homicide, there aren't many programs that you can pull someone in and say, no, this is geared especially for you at eight years old who probably can't um, verbalize what they're really going through. So the Power and We um, strives to have these programs and outlets and then to make a community um, of these folks who are a part of this new group that we didn't ask to be a part of anyway. Right. Try to make some sense out of it. Um, there's also a national group called uh, Mothers in Charge. Um, they lead all different kinds of um, walks. We walked on Washington last year just for awareness and prevention, just so people can see that we do need some kind of outlet. Um, you mentioned earlier the peace organization, which is parents saying parents um, um, having accountability and encouragement for all is a Buffalo um, organization that um, strives to have programs. Um, they're the ones who um, has candlelight vigils in our community mm-hmm. when someone is homicided on the area. And um, her and I work together um, on, on that board to try to bring some of these programs to. Um, you can come out and support the Diamonds and Night Fashion Show, <laughs> which... Um, which you did um, come mm-hmm. to a couple of weeks ago. It's going to be now an annual fundraiser that we're going to have to support and sponsor young children um, who um, family have been homicided in. We want to have summer camps for them. We're going to have spelling bees for them, yeah. um, counseling, grief, and um, art, art therapy, all kinds of things is my vision, are, are my vision that I want to have to try to help support. So you could, I know we'll give our information later on where mm-hmm. you could go and support some of these efforts. Absolutely. And I think one of the things you mentioned too is that you know you're not you're not asking to be a part of this group of being a victim of homicide and I think that for kids now they're part of you know 
to have support of people around them that understand so that they don't even have to say anything. They can just be supported because others are experiencing similar things, I think is so, um, so healing and so critical um, for individuals who, you know, have these types of experiences. So I think that that's, um, you know, these types of programs and, and really communities coming together to be creative about yes. how to provide opportunities for kids um, who have experienced homicide is really important. And I know you're doing a lot of that here in Buffalo with with the peace organization and and other efforts. I just wanted to share the um, the website that you mentioned. The Mothers in Charge um, is a national organization, so there's a lot of resources and information on there. So people can go to their website, which is www.mothersincharge.org, um, so that you know you're not alone. It's a national um, organization, so we have listeners all over the world that are listening in. It's a great resource to tap into. Um, and know that there is help out there and we want to make sure people are always connected um, with that help so they aren't struggling alone and aren't, you know, suffering uh, alone for sure. So um, we're heading into break right now. So please stay tuned. You're listening to The Journey, Stories of Crisis and Hope. want to live a healthy, vibrant life. With so many toxins in our world, it becomes an uphill battle. Inflammation is the premise of all disease and comes from four sources of toxins. With a proper understanding of toxins as well as proper detoxification and nutrition, disease can be avoided. Tune in to Whole Healthy Living with Sharon Brennan and learn how you can live a clean, whole, and healthy life in a toxic world. Start your journey Fridays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Abortion can affect an entire family. This includes men, women, other family members, and friends. While each experience is unique, the feelings of grief and loss are something everyone can relate to. Listen for Life After Abortion with hosts Michaeline Friedenberg and Skylar Christensen. Together with their guests, they can help open the conversation and bridge the gap toward healing. Life After Abortion can be heard Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. We are bombarded with information daily about happy life strategies, beauty products, and business success ideas. Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. Shelly will explore and recommend proven business ideas as well as show you how to use the law of attraction to create health, happiness, and a prosperous business. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. listening to The Journey, Stories of Crisis and Hope. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments about the show. Please send an email to jpirrovoiceamerica at gmail.com. That's J-P-I-R-R-O, 
voiceamerica at gmail.com. Now, back to the journey. Here again is Jessica Pira. Welcome back. My guest today is author of Bare Naked Trees, Rachel Morrison. So um, we've had uh, some interesting discussions so far this this show about just her path that has led her to this journey of her own work, um, but also these next steps in her life and career because of her own personal experiences, um, and one being that she lost a loved one to homicide. So um, some of these experiences have kind of put you in a place to do things you've always dreamed of doing, right? So um, you recently published your first book, which is titled Bare Naked Trees. So what led you to write the book? Well, I've always, one of the other things that, one of the other hats that I have is I've always been a writer since I was a little girl. Um, I've always written poems. I've always said, you know what, I'm going to be a writer one day. So while going through all these life changes and learning myself and accepting some of the things that um, were my past and moving forward and finding my purpose again after losing my cousin, I kind of started putting things down. I'm a big advocate of journaling. Mm -hmm. So I started journaling and writing. And before you know it, it turns into a book. And it was actually a novel at first Mm -hmm. with other characters. And uh, most of the characters began to have you know, some important quotes to say and like some of their journeys, I kind of found that, wait a minute, you know, these things are kind of what's been happening with me along the way. So I started asking other, you know, people like, what do you think about this? And giving them a chapter to read. And they were like, oh, I think you have something here. Wow, I would read this, you know. So I just really buckled down and it took me some years, but I started to put um, a lot of my life lessons and a lot of these things down in paper in it. Before I knew it, I had some chapters in the book. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> A, light, a lot of writing that you a did, right? Writing. A lot to share. So, so what does the title mean? This is really funny when I say how I actually got the title. Um, so I love trees, of course. I believe in the, the recycling of life and, and in mirrors trees. You lose leaves and you have new seasons where you can reinvent yourself and you can move forward. So that was the real smart, intelligent side of Bare Naked Trees. Well, the other funny side is I was on a train going to uh, like New York, like Poughkeepsie, New York. And um, I was on a train and I just kept flying, you know, all the trees. It was mm-hmm. in the winter and all the trees trees were just so beautiful, different sizes, different shapes, but they were, you know, in the winter, they were naked. And I was already doing some writing on the train and I started seeing, wow, these are really pretty. And believe it or not, I had already started thinking about the trees and the the smart side of that. And then it was like, you know what? Why don't I just name the bare naked trees? Mm -hmm. Because it is a symbol of what we do go through. We do have to shed our leaves. We do have to reinvent ourselves, especially in change. And especially when you're moving through your purpose Um, and you really want to make that mark for yourself. You are kind of shedding your trees. You are bare naked. You're Mm -hmm. stripping yourself of everything. Mm -hmm. If you are really going to be truthful with your positive change. So that's how I kind of came up with the title. It's well, it represents so much. And I think, like you said, that especially trees, they're such a symbol for many things. And I think it also, like you shared the, the recycling or the, the various seasons and and they survive through all of them right and they have different views and different appearances but they're still surviving and that really is a representation of what you're trying to get through with with your book so um so what was what are some of the concepts of your book uh what are what are some pieces that you'd like to highlight with our listeners today that your book is about 
Um, we kind of talked about acceptance a lot, and um, acceptance is a big part of the book um, because you have to come to a point where you accept yourself, where you accept that maybe I do need some things to change in my life. Uh, maybe, like I said, you made some mistakes. You know, maybe I did lose my cousin years ago, but accept that this is life and you have to continue to move on. You know, some people are upset about being overweight or some people um, don't like themselves because they're short or they're tall. Um, it's just about having that conversation of self-acceptance, self-love, and being able to say, you know, it doesn't matter what I look like or, as in the book, what color my shoes are, you know, I can only run as far as the air in my lungs can take me. Mm -hmm. And so it doesn't matter about all the other stuff. And let's put that air in, in our lungs to use of acceptance. Um, it also talks about courage, um, having the courage to do that. It's easy to sit here and say, okay, yeah, I'm going to accept all this <laughs> right, stuff. Right. But being brave enough to have the Absolutely. courage. So there's a, 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 a nice chapter on courage. And to me, that's kind of the basis of it. Having acceptance, um, having the courage to love, to forgive, mm -hmm. to move forward in your life, to build those relationships and those bridges that might have been burned in your family. Um, and just kind of work on living your dreams and living your purpose. So kind of a lot in just a small little book. But I really just felt it was important because I had these experiences and these things to, to say. And I wanted to be able to say them to those who might need a little bit of encouragement. Absolutely. So, you know, um, you have exercises at the end of each chapter. Um, and I, when I was reading the book, um, you know, there's there's uh, the mirror exercises as yes. part of your your, your um each chapter and the acceptance in that exercise. And I have to tell you, it was, it is uncomfortable to think about, you know, and I'll have you describe it, but I think it's, it's the, you know, when you're looking at yourself, you have to be really honest with yourself. And sometimes that's the hardest first step to take. And I think that these exercises force you to think about it that way. Like this, you are only going to help others or be successful as a mom or an aunt or, you know, a stepmom or whatever it might be, as long as you're successful for yourself. Yes. So these exercises at the end of each chapter, um, can you talk a little bit about the mirror exercises? The acceptance in the mirror exercise is actually something that I went through and then I created at the end of it to, to my knowledge was so helpful for me. And I said, you know what, what if I just tell people about this and see if it'll help them? Because it really helped me. And I started talking to some of my other clients, like, would you do this? Would you look in the mirror? Would you just take off all your so So just bear with me for a moment. If you would just, you know, take your clothes off, stand in the mirror and really look at yourself and do this over a couple weeks time. You know, say that you love yourself, say that you are encouraged, say that you um, you are love. You know, you say these things so that you start to believe it. And mm -hmm. then at the end of it, you really see that I am beautiful who I am, you know, my color of my hair, um, this, the scars on my skin. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. You begin to look at you through that mirror, look through your eyes, through the mirror and start to really accept yourself. So like you say, you can get to the point of that. Say, you know what? OK, now I'm ready to really do this serious change. Now I'm ready to encourage people. Now I'm ready to tell other people you can't overcome any of your um, life's troubles. You know, some people are victims of domestic violence or mm -hmm. rape or again, homicides, you know, all those sorts of things. You you can learn to accept yourself and it 
all begins with just stripping it all down and just starting from the bottom and really being serious about making your life change. And it really has changed some people who've done this, and it, it definitely changed me. Um, the other exercises at the end of the chapters are kind of just check in just to kind of see where are you? Are you serious about this change? Have you been journaling? Have you noticed things about yourself? Are you ready to, to commit to this positive process of change? Um, so that's kind of the mirror exercise. So I do caution people. Like you said, it is tough, yeah, it's um, tough. to look yourself in the mirror. If you can find a full length mirror and, and just start to accept yourself, mm-hmm. accept who you are. Yeah. But I think, you know, what's powerful about the exercise is that it helps you to regain uh, the belief maybe in yourself and instead of criticizing, finding the strengths and the, and the powers and which is this whole conversation mm-hmm. of who you are and, and what your body story is, you know, like you said, if you have scars or maybe there's an injury that you had and, you know, I mean, there's, it's all a part of who you've become. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know sometimes with the different types of traumas that people experience, there's, there's kind of this place of, it can either become a part of you or it's going to define you. Yes. And I think that sometimes when it people let these situations define them, it can cripple them, where instead if they bring it in and it becomes a part of their story, a part of their their uh, vision of who they are, um, the, it gives more power and strength uh, to help somebody move forward. Um, I can tell you, it makes you stand up taller. It makes you feel more important to yourself. It makes you understand that you're here for a reason. You matter. So no matter how you look, no matter what you're going through, you know, you matter. I matter. And I'm going to take this step to make sure that people know. And you will be noticed differently. You will you will get those people to say, what has changed in right, you? Right, It's the strength within us. Yes. You know, it's there. It's always there. We just have, we to, just have, to, we have to bring it out ourselves yes. and, and, and embrace it and recognize it. So um, so you're working on another book. Can you talk a little bit about this, the next, the sequel? The or sequel um, or whatever. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so after you know, I started, people started buying a book and I started doing, um, you know, having some bookings and talking about the book. People were like, okay, so when I got, they got to the end of the book, they were like, I want more. Okay, mm-hmm. we've, I've done all this. I've spent this six months and I really am, but now, okay, what do I do now? I want, I want more. I want you to kind of like help us get through the next step. And I was like, really? You know, I thought I was done. <laughs> and they were like, no, you can't just leave us hanging. So I started to go back and um, try to think of some different steps that we can take. Use all these tools in our box that we have mm-hmm. and start to really put them into motion. So you've accepted yourself. You've worked through a lot of your um, baggage. And now, okay, let's really make this work. Let's put this to motion. So that's the preface of the next book. Okay, okay. So it's, you know, continuing to give those tools for yes. people to, in a way, continue to nurture that power. Yes. Right, right. And it's all about the nurturing and caring of, of yourself and, and each other. Um, so in your work, uh, you do something called a power inventory board. Can you share with our listeners what that is? So the power inventory board kind of mimics a vision board a little bit. Um, I created this again in the book. It's one of the last parts of the um, one of the exercises. And it, it is taking all the things that you've worked on, you know, through bare naked trees, through all of your hard work and then putting it to, to uh, a face to it, putting it on a on a platform that you can see that you can look at and you can say, um, OK, I've done these different steps. So now how does this look? 
What am I supposed to do with this? So it is actually, like I said, like a vision board. And you will put your goals, your wants, your needs and everything um, on the back of the board. And then you go on the front of the board and you try to find visuals that will help you towards that that vision that you're going to be working on. Um, so it's, it's it's kind of a vision board. Um, for me, you just take a little bit more um, inventory on your life than a regular vision board. So I go out and do workshops. Um, you know, we can come to your organization mm-hmm. um, or to your family social event or just um, meet with you and just get all these things down on your board so that you can have it. Put it up in your home and actually look at it so that you can be focused on your change. You know, we put things down. And after after we've worked through some things, we put it down and then we're like, oh, what was that? Well, the power inventory board is in your face. You hang it up, you look at mm-hmm. it, you frame it, and it keeps you focused on all this hard work that you've done um, over the last couple months or years, however it takes you to um, get through your change. And I think that's important because sometimes, you know, it's interesting when I, there was, it's, there's some pieces coming back to me from a, a previous guest I had on and he talked a little bit about, um, you know, we spend a lot of time planning a lot of things. But we don't do that for our lives in the sense of our caring of our dreams or our, you know, our goals, our aspirations. Maybe some people do to a point. But like, what are these other things we would dream to do like you did with writing a book? You mm-hmm. you recently um, hosted a fashion show. It's something that you've been interested yep. in doing since you were a young girl. And um, so it is taking that time to really you know, put it down, have it as a reminder too. And I think that's what's really neat about the, the inventory board is that it's, it's always a re- constant reminder and presence so that you don't um, put it out of sight, out of mind, if you will. It's always present for you. And I'm sure that's a powerful tool for people that need that because that might be the power yeah. and the strength that they only have if they don't have somebody in their lives that right. is going to be positive. Um, you know, so that, that power inventory board probably could be be very life-saving for some people as well. And I can tell you that I did my first power inventory board when I was going through this. I had never done a vision board or anything like that, but I thought of this concept. I wrote down, you know, my needs, my wants, my goals. And I said, okay, how many, how much time am I going to give myself to, to do this? And I put it in categories. And I, you know, I'm a believer that, um, I think me and you talked about this before. If you put your dreams and your purpose and your, your goals, you put it out in the universe, it will accept you yeah. and it will help you make them come true. It'll make room for you. And it definitely did. Uh, Honest story, there's probably, um, there was about 20 things on my first power inventory Mm. board. 10 of 10 or 11 of them have been accomplished off of my board. So, you know, I'm not just a person who's just talking to me. I really believe this. And I I did the work that I'm saying in in, in, in Bare Naked Trees. And I... If I can do it, anybody can do it. And you you just put, you have to just say, okay, it's time. It's time for me to make this change. And it's time for me to live my purpose and do the things that I'm I'm supposed to be doing or that I want to do. Fun right. stuff. Right, right. You know, the now, stuff you want to enjoy. You, do that you just don't do because you're like, oh, I can't do it. And so that's what the Power Inventory Board did for me. Um, and I hope it does that for others as well. Wonderful. So why don't we share with our listeners, like, how can they find your book? Um, so like your website information and any other contact information that you'd like to share so that if people want to reach out or get your book or more information, they can do that. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So the book is available on Amazon.com. It is just Bare Naked Trees. You can put in Rachelle S. Morrison and it'll pop up. Um, I also have uh, my website. My website is The Power and We. It is www.tt. 
T-H-E-P-O-W-E-R. So it is two T's in it, so I didn't make a mistake. www.thepowerandwe.com, and you can reach me at my email is R-A-C-H-E-L-S at thepowerandwe.com. Also call me if you would like, 716-563-7388. Wonderful. Well, Rachel, I want to thank you so much for coming today on the show. I mean, we've worked together for such a long time. And as I've gotten to know you through the years and, you know, not only the work you do here at Crisis Services, but the the work that you're trying to do to better the community and better your loved ones around you is just so inspiring and I think is a powerful message that you got across today. So I want to, first of all, congratulate you on those huge accomplishments. I'm really proud of you uh, (laughs) for that. I know everyone here is. So so I'm so glad that you were able to share your story today and get this out to the larger, you know, nationwide here so that they get to learn a little bit about you and who you are. So check out our book and get it on Amazon. So Thank you so much for everyone for tuning in and joining us for another episode of The Journey, Stories of Crisis and Hope. Please tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And if you have any questions or comments about the show, you can email me at jpirovoiceamerica at gmail.com. So thanks so much for tuning in and do your part this week to provide hope to others. Thank you for tuning in to The Journey stories of crisis and hope. Please join your host, Jessica Pirro, for another edition of the program next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.